You're listening to English with Monty, the podcast about the English language. Today, we're talking about how you can get a job in London or elsewhere in the UK. Hello there and welcome to English with Monty. Moving on to episode 26 and we've got the lovely Gideon, who's always a pleasure to have on the show. Hi, Gideon. Hello, lovely John. Hello. Wow. <laughs> I feel loved. By many. By many. Millions, millions and billions. Today, I thought we would talk about something that we've both done in the past, not necessarily recent past. It's just a rumour. Rumor. Not true. Don't <laughs> listen not... to the rumors. <laughs> We're going to talk about getting a job. Oh, getting a job. Okay. Phew. It's a relief. <laughs> We're going to talk about getting a job, I guess, in London, but also in the UK. The reason why I suppose I'm going to talk about it in London is because that's where Monty is based. And also, <laughs> I do help an awful lot of people getting a job in London. I have done in the past. Mm. Not so much recently, just because of the COVID situation. Over the last couple of months, people have started looking for jobs and there are plenty of jobs out there. Are there? Yes. If you want to become a chef, I think you... <laughs> yes, jobs. true. Or a long-distance lorry driver. I can vacancy now in the UK. I can imagine you as a long-distance lorry driver. You know I like trucking. <laughs> Indeed. I wanted to give people some potential tips and ideas about how to work here. I'm going to try and give an idea of how it is nowadays as well, obviously following Brexit. To be honest, it's a little bit difficult to get your head around everything because I find it a little bit complicated as to who can work here and who cannot work here. If there are any discrepancies or any mistakes, I apologize now in advance. I'll try and refer you to the best websites in my notes in case I do make any mistakes. So is this about getting job in London or just getting job in general and you're in London? Well, I would say getting a job in London is going to yeah. be the headline idea, but obviously it can apply to outside of London as well, of course. I suppose one of the reasons why it's about getting a job in London is because it's a global city, right? If you can get a job in London, I think it really helps you get a job anywhere else in the future. Would that mm -hmm. be fair to say? I guess so, yeah. So I suppose it depends on the sector, particularly if you're working in a globalized sector or something that gives you some kind of cachet. Yeah, I think there's a skills shortage in the UK. In spite of Brexit, be honest, Brexit is a stupid idea, but we won't go to the politics now. In spite of Brexit, there's a big shortage of skilled labor in the UK. I don't know, in nursing, in IT and engineering, chefs, I think if you do have those skills, based on a point system, isn't it? It is based on a point system, yes. Obviously, the English aspect of that probably has to be discussed first of all. Apparently, you have to prove that you can read, write, speak and understand English to at least a B1 level. Okay. The okay. B1 level, for those that aren't familiar with that, is a common European framework for the reference of languages. B1 is about an intermediate level. Yeah, that, right? it's not too high. So you just need an intermediate level of English. But if you're listening to this podcast, you'll need that anyway. I'm sure it applies to you. If you're listening. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad, is it? Alternatively, I mean, they do say you can have a GCSE, which is 
a exam that we do in the UK at the age of 16, typically, mm-hmm. or an A-level, which is normally one that you would do at the age of 18. But also as well, if you have done a degree which was taught in English when you studied abroad, that can also qualify for that idea. I guess there has to be some equivalence with the UK qualification, but even if you are studying in English, then that does make you qualify as well. I'm in a different country Mm -hmm. and I want to come to London and get a job. Yeah. So where do I start? That's a very good question. Gideon, you would say this would be true of what's happened in the past with Europeans. Most Europeans invariably would have come over, perhaps got themselves a job in a bar or restaurant. Is that possible now? Can they do that? In this case, I'm sure you know a lot more than I do, but I think it's more difficult. In the past, as you said, people would just come over speculatively, just get a job anywhere in a cafe, in a pub. And then while they're in the country and just earning a little bit of money, they would seek out the job that they're really looking for. You know, if they had qualifications in engineering, then you could do it from the UK as a base. But now you've got to do all that from abroad. You've got to make the application from abroad, I think. You can't just turn up and start working. Yeah. Is that right? I guess so. I mean, obviously, you could potentially come here and sort things out while you're here, couldn't you? But I think, in a way, it's quite a good thing because it makes people a little bit more organized. I mean, obviously, it will discourage a lot of people. If we're talking about Europeans, it will discourage a lot of Europeans from applying. I think a lot of people feel as if my English is not good enough. I'm not going to be able to get the job that I want. So I'm going to try and improve my English while I am working in another job. And often people continue to do that and never necessarily go for the job that they really want. Yeah. And I think my advice to people is like, okay, well, yes, this is a new scenario and it seems more difficult, but actually potentially it gives you the opportunity to just be more organized and probably go for the job that you really want rather than getting a job that you don't really want and then try and get your job in the future that you do want, but you're probably too busy waiting tables or working in a bar to think about it properly. If people are organized, I think in some ways it will be more beneficial for Europeans to get the job that they want. It's a very positive way of looking at it. And I hope you're right. (laughs) No, and I don't want to dwell on the past. But a lot of jobs, or most jobs, in fact, are word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit difficult to hear things on the grapevine, as they say, if you are out of the country. Yeah, I guess you have to focus more. And if you do have the skills, you need the skills now before you could just, just turn up. And maybe if you don't have a qualification, you could still make it in London. But I think that's more difficult if you just want to try your luck here. That's going to be difficult now. That's very true. But if you are looking for a job that's needed in the UK, then that obviously makes things a lot easier. And as you said, there's quite a lot of jobs that are needed, aren't there? What I think is a pity, which we won't get anymore, is people coming over and just becoming entrepreneurs. They just see they live here for a while, they're doing whatever job, and they see an opportunity. I know, opening a Brazilian cafe or something, they see an opportunity in a particular part of London and they do it and they become successful and they employ other people and they pay taxes. And now it's going to be more difficult to do that for like sort of budding entrepreneurs or free spirited people. You've got to have a certain skill 
a certain qualification, which is great. I mean, you can still come over and do that, but I guess I'm just looking at, there are certainly some negatives as well. But I don't think it's going to stop people from starting their own business, is it? I think if you're that way inclined. No, but I think you can't come over at all in the first place. A lot of people who don't have degrees in physics or mathematics, they can't come over in the first place about a job. They're just going to open up maybe something in their own country. I would say, though, that's the point, though, isn't it, as well? You're kind of in a situation where there's nothing stopping you coming here. Well, there um, is, because you can't if you don't have a job now. No, no, no. But what, what I'm saying is there's nothing stopping you coming here and finding everything out while you're here as a tourist and then being able in, to... In 30 days? A lot of people won't have the money to sort of stay here for 30 days and rent a place in London before you just turn up and work a little bit and then, ah, oh, I've got an idea here. Let's do this. That is very true. But also, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's just about being a little bit more organized. And yes, you're right. It does limit the idea of just turning up and just flying by the seat of your pants, which is a good thing. And I think it does help. I think it's just finding out exactly what the routes are and trying to think about how you could get what you really want and not be discouraged by potential barriers which have been put in your way. Yeah. Also, I mean, I know I'm trying to put a positive slant on it, but yes, of course, for Europeans, it's more negative. For people outside of Europe, it's more positive because they're more on a level playing field. There is greater opportunities for people outside of Europe now to come to the UK. You think so? Yeah, of course there are. Definitely. There's no question about that. I think that's the interesting thing. I'm the same as you. I don't really agree with Brexit, but you have to look at the positive aspects that could come about right and so there are people that could come for countries that are outside of europe because they're seen in the same way as europeans which i think is very positive for people outside of europe do you think though the barriers extend beyond europe i think this government is just trying to put down walls and they don't want too many people coming over to find a point on it so we'll see i hope you're right I think you're correct, but it's about politics, isn't it? And at the end of the day, when you have need, then you're going to have to adjust things. At the moment in the UK, we, I'd say London in particular, you have a shortage of people working in hospitality. So working in bars and working in cafes. And a lot of that is to do with COVID because of people not wanting to move jobs just in case we go into another lockdown. But also a lot of that is to do with people returning home again because of COVID, but also because of Brexit. But there are plenty of jobs out there. And I think going forward, the government's going to have to change things and maybe give Europeans the opportunity to work here for three or six months or something like that, like a working situation. It may not happen for a few years, but I think it will have to happen at some point, especially if we can't get the workers. Yeah. I just think that some, if you talk about hospitality, that some restaurants and cafes either they're going to close down or they won't open in the first place. Some new ventures won't open in the first place. So the jobs that existed before won't exist. So I think it could partly be that. I'm maybe being a bit pessimistic. Well, At the moment, there's a big shortage. But of course, if, if you can't fill the vacancies, then the number of vacancies is going to shrink. Well, that's true. But if there's always a demand and... I think particularly in London, there is always a demand for these things. People just have to adapt, don't they? They just have to change. If I'm planning to open a French restaurant in London... Mm, I wouldn't come to it. <laughs> no, but 
before, yeah, I'd do that. I get some staff. And now I'm thinking, I can't do it. I just know where I can get the staff. The salary has gone right up and I can't even find anybody. So forget about it. I'm going to do something else. Uh, maybe I'm just a bit more pessimistic. I mean, I understand what you mean. It does obviously create barriers. Again, we're talking about London, but I think with any really global city, there's always opportunities. And if you're a business person, you can always find ways around things. That would be my viewpoint. Well, let's see. That'd be all right. I think what we could do is we could talk about, for example, before you come, if you are planning to come, I mean, what could you do to find a job? One of the most popular ways, a starting point maybe, is something like LinkedIn, I would imagine. Yeah, I know a lot of people have got jobs through LinkedIn. Because it's like a networking platform, isn't it? But also it's a way of connecting with people and finding out what's going on and what there is in your profession, isn't there? Yeah. Have you used LinkedIn? I haven't, but I haven't, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't got a job for a long time. I was actually thinking about using LinkedIn to connect with other English schools, actually. because I think that's a good way of me getting some business. Networking is the key. And often as well, you'll be hunted on LinkedIn. If you've got a quite a high level job and they're looking for people, then sometimes you get hunted and they'll contact yeah. you. I'm sure most listeners know about LinkedIn though, possibly. I mean, if they don't, it's a good starting point, isn't it? Another thing to work on is definitely your CV. Your CV is something that you have to get right. One of the mistakes I've found is that people don't always get a native speaker to review it. Yeah, expand on that. <laughs> <laughs> Just in the sense that if you have some small mistakes, I mean, this is fair to say, isn't it? If you see a CV and you have a few spelling errors and a few mistakes, a few grammatical mistakes, even if it's a foreigner, you probably wouldn't look on it too favorably. No, I totally agree with you. I mean, there are cases just in life when the grammar's not that much important when you're just communicating, asking for information and stuff. But there is an exception, and that is the CV's got to be correct. If you're sending it, make sure you get it double and triple checked and the covering letter too. I think that's really important. That's the one case, particular case, that you can't think, yeah, it'll do. You've got to get it right. If they say some bad mistakes, they might pass it off. If you don't care about your CV, which represents you, then you're not going to care about the job. And it's a harsh reality. It sounds like I'm a bastard, but that's the harsh reality. It is very much so, isn't it? And people don't always think about that idea. Get it checked by a native speaker, perhaps somebody who has experience. I mean, I have a lot of experience doing this. So you can ask me if you want. I'm very happy to help. You have to have your grammar right. You have to have your spelling and your punctuation right. If you have any doubts, definitely get a native speaker to have a look. Also, I think it's about knowing the format of the CV. Yeah. In France, am I correct in saying you have to provide a picture? Yeah, yeah. Like a photo on the CV, yeah. In the UK, that's really strange, isn't it? We wouldn't expect somebody no, you to wouldn't. put their photo. It seems a bit weird. We definitely wouldn't expect to put your photo. The other thing I think with the CV is often I've had people who are presenting their CV and they put their education in a really prime location, like towards the front of the CV. And I would say that you normally put that towards the end of the CV in the UK, wouldn't you? Yeah, reverse chronological order. Unless you're just a graduate, you just graduated. That would be the exception because you don't want to put your job as a paper boy before your doctorate in, I don't know, whatever, in um, 
non-Euclidean geometry. Uh, which is the one I did. Because <laughs> obviously I've done hundreds of, like you, lots of private lessons based on giving interview training to the students who are looking for jobs. And also I've worked in companies as well before I was an English teacher. Used mm-hmm. to give interviews. And the mistake with learners of English, the mistake is often not the, you probably agree with me, John, is often it's not the grammar. They make basic mistakes that CV is 10 pages long, the covering letter is far too long, or something like that, or they make logical mistakes, as you said, that they put their education before their skills. Yeah, really, really lots of mistakes that are not related to English at all. Do you agree with that? Yeah, very much so. And I was always taught that you make your CV two pages maximum. And I suppose if you're in a very technical profession where it's necessary to list different things, then that may be different. But I guess typically I would say a couple of pages maximum. You're right. And I think the key is, is that obviously when you're changing countries, you kind of have to adapt the way you apply for job depending on where you're going, don't you? I think it's normal, but people make the mistake of replicating what they do in their own country and applying it to the country they're coming to, which is quite a simple mistake, but it would make a huge difference. Even if you just make friends with a native speaker and, you know, in a language exchange or or something, you don't even have to pay somebody. You could just befriend somebody and just pick their brains, trying to find out. But you're assuming though that native speakers who apply for jobs do it correctly and i would argue (laughs) in my experience working in companies and sifting through cvs that 90 percent of cvs and wherever they come from and even as running a language school i get cvs from from teachers as well and about 90 percent of them is why are you telling me this why is this like full of stuff which is irrelevant and not interesting and when you write the covering letter and it's about i want to do this i want to do this i want to work here so that i can prove my skills and i can eventually become the manager because what why <laughs> you're just talking about yourself <laughs> just one example but i see that all the time my job currently is an english teacher i teach english but i have to hesitate because when i'm giving these interview training lessons i want to say this is just not logical you're lacking common sense but it's not really my position my place to say that if you know what i mean you find that too what do you mean exactly is for example it's a few years ago someone said i've got a very important job interview can Mm. you give me in english i'm not very confident about my english and i said yes no problem okay so she came over and did a sort of a mock interview and her English was actually okay. But what she was saying, so I said, why did you leave your last job? And she says, well, I really didn't like my uh, colleagues and the boss, he was a really nasty guy and I couldn't get on with him at all. And I was like, no, you can't, even if it's true, you wouldn't say that at an interview. Do you see what I mean? So my job is to teach English, but I had to tell her how to sort of spin things in a more positive way talk about things in a positive light i had a great experience in my last position it's time to move on and tackle new challenges and your position seems really interesting whatever even as an english teacher you end up <laughs> doing things that are unrelated to your craft always though don't you when it comes to jobs i think elements like that is slightly cultural aren't they maybe i don't know but as you say you need to put a positive spin on it don't you Otherwise, the employer is not going to be very happy with what you're saying. 
it's rather than saying, oh, I didn't like my colleagues. You say, oh, no, well, I just I'm looking for a new challenge. I don't think that the job exactly. really suited me. You don't have to go into a huge amount of detail, do you? Unless they potentially press you for the reasons. I don't think they're normally going to do that. At Monty, we offer English classes online. So you can join wherever you are. We offer individual lessons or English exam preparation. For first-timers in a group class, it's only £2. Visit our website at montyenglish.co.uk to buy this ticket or book any other package now. I always think the first thing you should do is to project yourself, close your eyes if you can, and project yourself into the head of the interviewer. Mm -hmm. See it from their perspective. What do they want to hear from you? How will they decide who gets the job? Okay. What can you say that will make them be confident that you're the one? And usually the answer is not criticizing your colleagues or your former boss. It's usually saying how you work hard, you're a friendly person and you're looking forward to working with them and you're intelligent and you can do the job. That's what you've got to portray in any interview. And if you make a few grammar mistakes, they don't really care anyway. And that's an element to think about though, isn't it? When you are going into an interview, as you say, they're not going to pick up on everything you're saying in English. I think most people think interviews are really difficult, even in my own language. They're going to think my English is a big problem. It's like, well, no, they're not. As long as you can communicate effectively and it doesn't have to be perfectly and get your yeah. point across, then that's the key. And that would even apply to high level jobs. If you're speaking at an intermediate or an upper intermediate level, obviously there are certain jobs where English is super, super important and you have to have a really, really high level. Yeah, fair enough. But there are some jobs that are even at a high level where you're going to get paid a lot of money, like a software engineer, for example, which are really needed in London. If you're a software engineer out there, you could get a job tomorrow, even if your English is an intermediate level, I promise you. And that's a barrier that I think people put in front of them is their English, isn't it? I think so. Unless you're going for a job as an English teacher, it's different. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I'm a grammar freak and I'm listening all the time. That's my job. I'm listening to sort of little grammatical mistakes. They don't care. They won't even notice. Well, I should say though, more important than the grammar and the level of English is the tone as well. If you lack confidence in a foreign language, often you can end up sounding quite flat. Mm-hmm. So why do you want the job, sir? Uh, well, yeah, I've been working in the IT field for quite a few years now, and I'm confident that I've got the, what it takes to progress. Yeah. No. <laughs> Was that your no. last job interview? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it could be nerves, but also you've got to have the energy as well. And if English is a second language, often thinking about getting the correct words, but that's less important than having the right presence, the right energy. It is about being confident, isn't it? And I think a lot of that comes with just preparation, doesn't it? I think if you're doing a interview, obviously a good thing to do is to think about the questions that they could potentially ask you. And I think these questions are pretty universal worldwide. Most employers ask fairly standard questions. Yeah. Uh, John, what, what's that? What are your weaknesses? My weaknesses, I talk too much. I'm not very good at grammar and haven't had another job in the last 13 years. <laughs> okay. Is that right? The kind of answers do you want? 
I don't know. The sort of classic one is you should be truthful about it. You should say what you're doing to improve it. But that's right. I was always taught that with your weaknesses, you should say, well, I don't think I have any real weaknesses, but I'm obviously... a perfectionist. <laughs> <laughs> well, you shouldn't say that. That's my I, problem. <laughs> I think that's a bit too far. I, I mean... guarantee you won't get the job immediately. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. I mean, I think you should say, I don't think I have any real weaknesses. Obviously, there are things that I feel as if I need to improve. And yeah. I always say to non-native speakers, that one of the best things you can say is that, yeah, my English is not perfect. I'm still working on it. What you could say is... My English is not perfect, but I am improving it by listening to John on English with Monty. If you were coming to an interview with Monty English, then that would be great because I'd be like, wow, you listen to my stuff. It means that you must be interested okay, in my company. I thought we were talking about engineers and IT professionals oh, and yeah. kitchen staff and stuff. I'm not sure. And nurses. Good point. But of course, it all helps. Another... By the way, I hate that question. I do, I do hate that question. What are your weaknesses? But I've heard it. That's exactly. Yeah. What are your strengths and weaknesses? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's a stupid question. But, yeah, you know. it's true. It's always the one where do you think you will be in five years' time? And it's like, I'm going to be in your position to take your job. Yeah, you'll bad be answer. dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bad answer. I don't know how, but I just see it somehow and I'll be in your <laughs> shoes. Don't answer it that way. Also as well, I mean, other things that I give as recommendations are to choose the companies you want to work for. I don't know what your experience is of this, but a lot of people feel that when you come to London, it's going to be difficult to find a job. But I would say, obviously, it depends on the sector. I mean, obviously, there are certain sectors where, yeah, people are not needed. I would say the charity sector is very, very competitive. If you yeah, were to yeah. get involved in the charity sector... I mean, it's probably going to take you a while to get into it, but you can get into it. But that's simply because there's so many people going for the jobs and there probably aren't really enough jobs out there. But if you're going for, as I said, a software developer or maybe even finance or something like that, I think there's so many jobs out there that you can hone your skills by burning yourself through four or five interviews where you completely mess things up, but you just learn, <laughs> just learn each time how to improve it, Act kind of adjust things. John, you, you really hit the nail on the head there because I think the best way to become good at interviews is to do lots of interviews. Yeah. I know from bitter experience when I was living in London a long time ago and yeah, I was working in the IT industry. I did have lots of interviews where I was very, very bad. And each time you don't get the job, you sort of reflect on what you did wrong. And the next time you're a bit better. And just by doing loads and loads of interviews, I've become good. Not that I need to do an interview now because I work for myself, but I think that's a secret. Even if you get offered an interview and you think you can't get the job, do it anyway. Fall flat on your face or yeah. on your ass and then <laughs> pick yourself up and go to the next one. I think it's the worst thing is probably doing it for the first time. But once you've done it once or twice, you just get used to it. And as long as you do reflect and you understand... We're we talking about interviews here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you do reflect, then I think you're okay. You can try and improve it for the next time. As you say, go for jobs you don't expect to get. People often would go for a lower level job than what they should be going for. And invariably, they get to the interview and... Honestly, the person who's interviewing you is sitting there and going, I can't understand why you are applying for this job. You're obviously better. Yeah. 
Can I tell you an anecdote? Yeah, sure. The worst interview I ever had. Mm-hmm. I went for a job in London, a sort of low-level IT position. I was working in IT. Mm-hmm. And the interview didn't go very well. I was waiting for the results, see what happened. And this was the time they sent the answer by post. And I got a letter from them, the company. And I opened up the letter and there was a five pound note inside. No note or anything, just a five pound note, no letter, just a five pound note. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's going on here? And apparently I, I think while I was doing the interview, five pounds had slipped out of my pocket. But they were so rude. They didn't even say you haven't got the job. They didn't even say, I think you left the money in the interview room. They just put it in an envelope, sent it to me. No mention of the job or anything. That was really insulting. <laughs> anyway, yeah. that, that, that didn't instill me with confidence. I can understand. So that's why you opened up an English school, right? <laughs> that was the final straw. There's always disappointments along the way in any career. Of course, that was a very bad moment, but a very nasty employ i think i would never treat somebody like that if someone comes to an interview you should at least let them know i think this is a good example isn't it here i mean i would say in london because there are so many jobs available in different sectors as i say there are shortages in some sectors so maybe a bit different but a lot of jobs there are lots of jobs available be selective with the company that you're choosing because if they're going to treat you badly obviously they're going to treat you badly in the job particularly if you have a specialist skill think about which companies you would really like to work for maybe do some research and think okay this is my top five companies and then i've got another five who have reserve companies who i'd quite like to work for and try and target them i mean they don't always have vacancies of course but in some way if you can get in contact with them show that you're there show that you're available and even one thing you can do appreciate it People don't always have the money to stick around without having a job. But if you are able to come even for a short period, go and visit these companies and have a chat with them. Invariably, they'll be quite happy to have a chat with you. Not everybody will, but a lot of people, if you turned up or even phoned up and tried to organize an appointment and just say, look, I'd like to spend five or 10 minutes just with somebody in your human resources department. I'm completely new to London can I just have a chat with somebody and see how I can work for a company like you? People don't think about that, but actually I would say at least 50% of the time, they'd be happy to have a chat with you. Don't you think? Yeah, (laughs) I 100% agree with you. But I do get the impression you're more of a go-getter than I am. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying that I necessarily do do these things, but I recommend them to other people. Yeah, sure. It means getting off your ass. I agree with you. I also, when I was looking for work, I followed your advice so much, but you're absolutely right. You've got to connect with people. If you can just find someone you can really talk to and you've got the skills, then yeah, they can give you a chance. You could end up going to a meetup group. I mean, we do conversation groups on meetup. We've paused them because of COVID, but that can be a very good way of actually meeting other people who have had similar experiences, many people would come to my conversation groups and we'd end up talking about getting jobs and what other people's experiences were. And that can be very inspirational and it can also really help you to understand how you can do it yourself. Because obviously there's people who have very good jobs, have found jobs over here and a case of finding out how they did that obviously taking some advice or some tips from them as well, as well as obviously native speakers. Yeah, you're right. 
we've talked about being confident, proactive. Another element, perhaps think about your strong sides, what your real strengths are, and then really think about how you can get that across to the interviewer. Also, I think another thing is something people don't think about is know what you're worth as well. I came across quite a few people that think it's odd that we actually discuss salaries at quite an early stage in the UK, don't we? You do often get the question, particularly high level jobs, where they will say to you, oh, do you know what salary you're looking for? Yeah, yeah, that's a difficult question. I have an answer for it. Do you? You should try and get them to say the first figure as much as they can. Push it back to them. If you're not sure, yeah, you can really make a mistake if you say something which is too low because it's difficult to get out of it. Oh, okay, you only want that. All right, he will give you that. That's fine. Make sure you've got the job first before you negotiate the salary. And also, if they don't give you as much as you're expecting and they won't go higher, you could say, well, can we review this in three months? And if I meet certain targets, can we go up higher? After that, so maybe there's another way if you don't get the exact amount that you want in the first place. Yeah, that's very true. And another good technique I find is when they give these figures and things like that, you can also say to them, that sounds great. I've got a couple of other companies who I'm discussing things with. And then as soon as they hear that there are other companies that are interested, and that may not be true, but... As soon as they hear other companies are interested, then they want you more. I think that's true. People want what's scarce. That's a part of human nature, isn't it? It is, the law, yeah. The law of scarcity. If you're the best candidate and they think they're going to lose you, then yeah. You're super eager. Yeah, it's okay. It's going to take the job. I think that is one mistake, one big mistake. People who are not from the UK and coming outside of the UK, they seem too eager to get a job. That might be the reality, but don't show the reality. I mean, I remember a Turkish guy who was a very talented software developer in Turkey, but he couldn't get work for love or money here when I met him. Well, it wasn't because he wasn't talented at all. You know, I could see he was very good at what he did and his English was pretty good. It wasn't amazing, but I said to him, it's good enough to get a job in your profession. His mistake was that every time he was speaking to people, he was like, yeah, yeah, I can do it tomorrow. I can do it now. I can do it tomorrow. And I said, look, just say to people, no, I'm sorry, I can't meet you this week. Can we meet next week? I've got a couple of jobs on. Yeah. If you give the impression you're busy, even if you're not. Exactly. That is a good approach. Yeah, don't sound too keen. That's a general, I think, tip for life. <laughs> it is. Yes. If you're dating or if you're looking for a job <laughs> or whatever, don't sound too keen. People <laughs> play hard to get. Works more effectively, I think. Definitely. Be Definitely. flexible, of course. Be flexible. Start my diary. I can fit you in next Tuesday between 4 and 5 a.m. <laughs> Might not get the job in that case. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. That's quite a nice thing to think about and and i think coming back to the idea of a salary is if you can ideally try and research even if you just spend a little bit of a time on a jobs website like read or monster or something like that just try and research what kind of salary they would typically give for that role i suppose if you don't really have an experience when you're here like as in in this country If you're a bit concerned, maybe make your salary a little bit lower than what they would normally offer. But I was saying if it was your second or third job, 
make it higher than the, what they would normally offer, but maybe yeah. buy about three or four yeah, yeah, or, I think or that's five. Good. That's good advice. Don't make it too low. Just make it a little bit lower so you seem a little bit more attractive if it is your first job. I think other things as well people make mistakes with or don't think it's possible to do is they say, oh, well, but I don't have any experience in that field or I haven't studied in that field. And often that's not hugely important, is it? Particularly in studies. If you've not studied something in that field, but you have experience, then often people are happy to take you on, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. They don't mind training you a little bit, especially in a bigger company, but if they want to know that you're capable of doing the job and they're going to enjoy working with you, those are the two main things. If you don't have all the skills, then they can still teach you. And maybe if you're not, if it's a highly skilled position and it's going to take years, no, but if you're sort of a little bit below the level they're expecting, they probably go with the candidate they like. Yeah. Also, I guess it's just being patient as well, isn't it? Especially higher level jobs, realistically, sometimes it takes six months, doesn't it, to find what you want. Be prepared to putting that amount of time and effort. And it is pretty annoying and it is pretty hard to do that. And just give yourself a couple of hours every week or every night, if you can spare it, just to focus on it, doing research and how you can get in front of people. And obviously nowadays, people are more keen on the idea of doing online interviews as well so Mm -hmm. that does help you oh yeah that's true you have to get used to that you do we covered most things any other things we haven't really covered i think we've covered most of it it's a huge area isn't it so obviously we haven't covered everything if you are interested even if you just want a little bit of advice i'm not going to charge you for it you you can contact me at info at montyenglish.co.uk i'm happy to answer any questions or john at montyenglish.co.uk and john is j-o-n okay i'll be in touch excellent yeah i'll get you a job gideon <laughs> in the space of three months yeah. <laughs> if i could get a job for you i could get a job for anybody yes true you've got a podcast as well haven't you i do have a podcast and the last few weeks we've had a very wonderful guest on the podcast and john you've also been on it <laughs> it's called zeitgeist banana and you can search for it on all the podcast platforms. It's a podcast all about the English language. And can I very briefly say that I have a YouTube channel called Let Them Talk TV. And we have lots of videos about English grammar, pronunciation, and even a few on interview technique. So check it out. Oh, wow. So we can look at your videos for interview technique. You can. I'm going to be checking that out. So your really cool presenter co-host, was it Matt Damon? It was Matt Damon. And he's excellent. In some ways, I prefer you, John. I'll invite you back. He's, he's a bad house guest, Matt. Is he? Does he stay at yeah. your house? <laughs> Something like that. On the couch. Okay, nice. C- couldn't afford a hotel. Fair enough. Times are hard at the moment. Paris is expensive city. Yeah. That's true. So if you want to give Gideon any tips for getting a job, then feel free, because you might need one soon. Don't know why, but I'm sure you do. Quite possibly. <laughs> after this podcast comes out then maybe more than ever yeah maybe more than ever best of luck with your job search as i said get in touch if you would like to and thanks for joining me gideon you've been listening to english with monty if you enjoyed this podcast then please leave me a donation online via our website Monty is a small independent company and I do all the editing myself. I would suggest £2.50 to buy me a coffee or £5 for a beer. 
montyenglish.co.uk. Then just click on the podcast button at the top. You can donate here. Thank you. I appreciate it.